0: Welcome to episode eighteen twenty eight of Effectively Wild, a baseball podcast from FanGraphs, presented by our Patreon supporters. I'm Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer, joined by Meg Rally of FanGraphs. Hello, Meg. Hello. And we are also joined by our friend and yours, the editor in chief of Baseball Prospectus, Craig Goldstein. Hello, Craig. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's actually the Craig now. <laughs>
0: That could change by the time people are listening to this if they look up your display name on Twitter So you are here ostensibly to preview the NL West, but I do have a bone to pick with you before we begin And you may suspect what it is because I mentioned it to you earlier But on our previous episode, I suggested kind of cavalierly that calling the zombie runner a ghost runner Is grounds for expulsion from the BBWAA Uh So... It is a bit hypocritical of us to have you on today because I looked at Baseball Prospectus <laughs> this morning, right there, front and center, above the fold, lead story by Mr. Stephen Goldman, friend of mine. You used the term ghost runner. I shouldn't say you used, but the buck does stop with you as the editor in chief of it the does. site. So I don't know whether you suggested it, but you did sanction it. And <laughs> I am here to call you on the carpet before we get to the NOS.
1: I think that's. That's fair. What I will say is that I'm not welcomed by the VVWAA, So I have nothing to fear. I'm, I'm already, I'm living in the, ex, in, you know, in exile as it is. So I think I have, uh, you know, I, I think I can, I can use it as wantonly as I choose. No, I, I agree that. I think I said this on Twitter, too, and I might have forgotten that it it probably came from you, but I I do hate Ghost Runners. I had a thread about the Ghost Runners the other day, and I just called it, I I wasn't calling it the Stupid Runner, but then I think Joe Sheehan was like, Stupid Runner is a good name for this. And so I think I'm going to go with that. I'm just going to call it a Stupid Runner from now on. I agree zombie is, is much, much more apt, to be clear, but I just hate it so much.
0: Anything but ghosts I can get on board with. Yeah, but
1: like,
2: okay, now I have a bone to pick, which is to say that we don't know anything about whether the runner is stupid or not. The stupidness of the <laughs> presence of the runner is not the runner's fault, and Good so, point. you know, the runner isn't the one who's necessarily stupid here. It's not personal attack. I think no. it's imprecise.
1: Well, right, it's, it's a broader, I mean, the, the runner is also not dead, well, like, right.
0: <laughs> we have to be clear about where the fault lies in these yeah. things, and that's why I lightly oppose Manfred Mann, just because I feel like if someone saw that, they might think it was celebrating Manfred, or it's yeah. like a testament to his mm. legacy, mm-hmm. or maybe Manfred would appreciate having something named after him, even if it is meant in a derogatory way. So that's why I tend to lean toward Zombie Runner, which even the AP I saw has used in a headline recently, so it is yeah. catching on. So, Craig, I will let it slide this one time, because I know that you are sympathetic to my position on the rule itself, and the article by Steve was also anti-zombie runner, or whatever you called it. So, as long as you reform, I think we can continue this conversation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I will note, he did say, he did use Manfred Man, but I agree with you. It could be misconstrued as as a positive. He used a few different euphemisms throughout. Yeah, I i appreciate your your grace in this matter is, just you is know
0: former editor-in-chief giving some guidance to a current <laughs> editor-in-chief that's all i'm saying
1: i appreciate i'm never gonna get into the bbwaa <laughs> with, yeah. this, no. with this attitude and
0: another brief bit of business meg on our last episode we did an al central preview we and we talked a little bit about carl's crea we brought up the fact that scott boris to our knowledge to that point had not deployed a pun for his client, Carlos Correa, which we thought was because Correa became a client of Boris's mid-season or mid-off-season in January, and so he was not representing Correa at the onset of the off-season when he dropped a whole lot of puns about all of the players he represented. However, it has been brought to my attention that we missed one, in fact, so we put out a call For people to write in with their own Scott Boris quotes about Carl's Correa, and some people have already obliged, but you can call off the search now because there was one that Boris himself debuted actually on Wednesday, which is why we weren't aware of it. It had just happened, I think, when we started recording. But at the introductory press conference on Wednesday morning for Correa on the Twins, they were talking about the new uniform number. Correa has switched from his traditional number one to number four for the Twins. And Boris said... The twins have a new explosive weapon, C4. Mm,
1: mm-hmm. Okay, but no, you can you can grumble, but that's one of his better ones. <laughs> so, while we're on the subject, did you guys see what he said about Tesla? Oh yeah, we've we've Oh yeah, we've we've covered Don't, okay. Philharmonic. Don't worry. <laughs> I apologize. Philharmonic, Philharmonic,
0: yeah, Philharmonic, whatever it yeah, was. Yes. Yes.
1: It was Philharmony, yes. but it should be yes. Philharmonic. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's Yes. Really, yes. make a f- fine point Scott there. Scott yeah.
0: I don't know about the the C4 because, uh, I mean, explosives, it, it sounds to me like he might blow up in the twins' faces or something. Like it could actually be something that hurts them as well as their opponents. So I don't know if I like it particularly, but at least he's on the board.
2: Yeah, I, I think that Craig is right that in terms of it having like you know all of the pieces of an actual pun as opposed to some of his weirder analogies where you're trying to track it through the jungle of wordplay like this is mm-hmm. this is clean right yes. um it has all the constituent elements that it needs but i guess i'm just not a huge fan of munitions related puns generally i think mm-hmm. we want to stay away from that because to your point like yes it it, it could mean Excitement, but it also can be destructive. So right. I, I think um yeah. But you're right. On the board, certainly. Yes.
1: Did you guys talk about I just needed on um, it relates to Boris slightly. Did you see Blake Snell's answer on the on um, God, what was it? They, Hot I don't know. Sandwich they, oh, debate. <laughs> no, well yeah. <laughs> He's on the wrong side of that. But it was you know, these teams are doing this thing where like guys walk by and answer a question into the camera, basically. And this was I think whether you want your sandwiches cut into triangles or rectangles. Huh. Oh boy. Are you guys familiar with this at all? No? I am just no. because
0: I think trout replied to a tweet about this at some point in the past.
2: Oh few yeah. Months. He said not to limit yourself, right? right?
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with that. So Snell Snell originally said he likes Uncrustables, which I don't, was kind of neither here nor there. But then he, he said, I'm going to go with triangles. And then he said, I'm actually going to go with whatever Hosmer says. And he got into a very confusing boat analogy that made me think he was writing for Scott Boris, potentially, in terms uh. of the metaphor. <laughs> and I said this online, and he favorited the tweet. So huh. I think he might be on the writing team for Boris. I don't even know if Boris is his agent, but I think he might. Be. I might. I think I'm to something. <laughs> Interesting. Hosmer
2: favorited it.
1: No, Snell did.
2: Oh, I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know who Blake Snell's agent is. Yeah, it is the Boris
0: Corp, according to Baseball Reference. Oh, okay, if that is okay. Oh, boy,
1: you might have... we're getting somewhere. <laughs> so,
2: so now are we given to understand that the reason he doesn't go deep into games is? <laughs> <laughs> the way he pitches, but that he has obligations later. That he, he has, has to, a second yeah, job. Yeah, he's got. A, he's, <laughs>
1: he's a. It's part of the gig. Economy, right, he needs here. to he's do his millennial. second shift. Right. Huh.
2: Mm, we might have Follow solved a number of play. mysteries. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that closes the book on the Korea question as it pertains to Boris's puns. And I guess the theory that maybe Korea did not quite equal what was hoped for as far as his contract still applies because this pun was debuted after he signed the deal yeah. rather than before. So maybe a missed opportunity there. But everyone who is workshopping your own Boris quotes, feel free to send them in. But the master has weighed in himself already. Yeah. So let's get to our topic for today, the National League West, which... I'm going to say I'm trying to preface each of these with a little big picture thought about the division. My (laughs) one yesterday was that the AL Central from a spectator standpoint is maybe the most improved division in the sense that maybe four of the five teams are better than they were. And there are a lot of intriguing storylines there. Don't think we can say that exactly about the NL West, but the NL West was my MVP division-wise last year, even though it ultimately ended up being a two-team race at the end. It was the best possible two-team race, just the best two-team race that I could conceive between two teams that were the best in baseball last year. And it just gave me so much joy to follow that race that maybe anything would be a downgrade from that unless maybe it turns out to be a three-team race, a competitive three-team race this year, which is what we all expected it to be last year. That didn't happen. But maybe there will be a little less spread this year in that you probably wouldn't expect the Diamondbacks to be as completely terrible as they were last year. And maybe the Dodgers and the Giants won't be as unbeatable as they were last year. So maybe it'll be a bit more compressed and you might not have the all-timer of a two-team race between historic rivals, but maybe you get another team in the mix. Maybe there's enough intrigue here. Am I on the right track?
1: I think that's all very reasonable, you know I'm really curious what San Francisco is going to be. I was just looking you know while you were while you were talking at. I know our projections i I feel like are a little bit low. I was looking at what fan graphs have. I think that's probably a little bit more reasonable just based on the overall talent but i they're just such an interesting puzzle because of how they platoon and how that gets factored into projections and also just pitchers seem to get better there and i don't know how how long that lasts and how often they can do it i think teams tend to just you know continually push the limit of who they can kind of improve and how and and that kind of thing so i don't know i will i'm they're just such an interesting piece of of the overall puzzle and i do think like they're not going to matter necessarily but i don't think arizona was nearly as bad as they were last year Mm -hmm. you know like just on a talent basis i just i don't know they're not they're not going to factor into this you know the the division race i don't think but i do think they're you know i don't know many wins better you know i don't know eight nine wins better than they were last year which is no small number and then if you Get You know, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that exactly other than that. I just think they're more interesting than kind of their record is going to
0: show up. Well, we'll get to that when we dive in team by team, I guess. But that's just kind of the overview why you should pay attention to the NL West this year. And we started yesterday with the best team in the AL Central. I guess we can start with the best team in the NOS, although we didn't go in any sort of precise order. As long as we get to all five at some point, that's fine with me. And we have our basic prompts that we're going to try to answer for every team that will just spark discussion. So here's my little intro to the Dodgers discussion. You know, the All-Star game will be played at Dodger Stadium this season, but Dave Roberts' lineup will look like an All-Star team every day.
2: Oh, boy.
0: How's that? (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, you're not (laughs) wrong. No, you're not wrong. (laughs) Like,
2: that's pretty spectacular, but also, yeesh, yeesh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, along those lines, our first basic question is best off-season move? Gonna guess it's one that we talked about a week or two ago, but uh, feel free to make your own selection here.
1: Yeah, I'm actually gonna say something different than the the obvious one, and, and I'm not trying to be, like, i'm not just trying to be contrarian
0: letting joe kelly leave signing hanser alberto
1: (laughs) i was i would say bringing back clayton kershaw yeah Mm, yeah you know on the back of kenley jansen going to atlanta like there is a core of this team that is is you know aging out whether it's free agency or, or age and injury and stuff and i know kershaw kind of straddles both of those lines uh he's not old exactly but it does seem like I don't know. Everything gets harder for him year after year and he's had a lot of injuries. I just think that the best thing they can do every offseason is going to be bring him back until he until he won't do it anymore. He is the heart and soul of the franchise. He's not the most important player on the team. I don't he's not the most important pitcher on the team and he might not even be, you know, in the top 2 in that discussion, but he's the face of the franchise and I I don't mean to make it all off-field stuff because he's still very good when he is on the field but I just I don't know as as a Dodgers fan I this was the thing that mattered to me more than anything like I did not want to see him suiting up for the Rangers I acknowledge it might happen at some point but I'm not ever going to be ready for that point to come (laughs) and so I I thought like I just think and and I do think we'll get to the team construction a bit but I think they needed they needed the pitching too so it it really Mattered on on multiple levels.
2: Yeah, I think that, and maybe this is getting to the team construction piece a little too early, but you know, there are a couple of ways that you can go about this. I think they had to bring someone in to help them address their rotation woes, and I think they're still in a position where they could use further reinforcement, even from from what they have, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that, I imagine, in a minute. But you know, then the other approach is to just put together a lineup that will feel impossible to navigate, not, I mean, forget, forget three times through, like it's going to feel impossible to navigate one time through. So I guess this is me saying that while Kershaw was a necessity, I think that, you know, one of the things that the Dodgers have done really well over the last couple of years is to not concede any avenue of player acquisition, any form of pressing a competitive advantage, they will just, be good at everything and then double down in those places where they're able to. And that like bringing in Freeman to me speaks to that approach, right? Where it's like, you know, we always wonder what is, what do the rays with money look like? They look like the Dodgers, right? Where you say, we're going to be incredible at player development. We're going to draft and scout well. We're going to press our financial advantage where it makes sense. We are not going to be content with, you know, this this lineup with like Gavin Lux in it is still very very good. Like it would have been <laughs> completely fine. And they were like, "No, we'll just have Freddie Freeman, how about?" So, I think that you know, we we have to say that, that was one of the more important moves that they made, not only because of what it allows them to do, but I think to, you know, the sort of organizational philosophy that it underscores like this team will just not say "eh, we're fine over there there's not a fine they're not content with that in a lot of places so it's pretty cool
0: yeah. And I guess we should disclose, as you just did, Craig, that when it comes to the Dodgers, you are not an entirely neutral party.
3: No, I no. T-
0: do believe in your ability to objectively analyze yeah. this team and this division, but uh, you do have a little bit of a rooting interest here.
1: Oh, I'm I'm definitely biased. <laughs> I'm a fan. I What I would say to people who have any concerns about that is I am the type of fan that hates his team <laughs> and loves them at the same time. But like, Levying criticism or thinking they're not doing enough is something I'm very comfortable with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's your biggest strength, which brings us to (laughs) our next category, which is biggest strength. And we've already alluded to it here, right? It's the lineup. (laughs) Unless you're very contrarian here. So we know the lineup is incredible. You look at the names, top to bottom. It is literal all-stars, except for Will Smith, who should have been an all-star already and probably will be very soon. Yeah, Is there... Any concern kind of under the hood, like you look at the names and it's three former MVPs and everyone's great and you think of their best seasons. But if you want to nitpick, which I think is obviously the best lineup in baseball or certainly the league, at least, if you wanted to try to find just some cracks in the armor here and there, I guess you could say that. It's an aged lineup, right? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Wow, we've moved past aging
1: to just aged. Yeah. aged. Cody Bellinger is the youngest regular. Yes,
0: and there are a few questions about Cody Bellinger as well. So (laughs) that's kind of what I'm getting at is that... Some of the guys who you count on who are very good are in their you know, early to mid-30s or even late-30s if you're talking about Justin Turner potentially. And there have been some durability and injury issues with yeah. Turner specifically, but not just Turner. You also have Max Muncy coming off a significant injury. You have Chris Taylor who was brought back, which was I think kind of a key move of the offseason even though it's not an addition, but it just came out this week that he had himself a little light elbow surgery as well over the offseason. Nothing too serious, it sounds like, but it has limited him to DHing thus far this spring. And then when you factor in. I guess you could include Pollock in the list of not always durable players, but also Cody Belger, who, yes, is a former MVP, but is also coming off a season where he was just not a major league quality hitter until, like, the World Series. Yeah,
1: and and injury issues. I mean, Yes,
0: many injury broken issues. Broken
1: leg and back injuries. Right, and, all sorts I mean, Mookie, of things. Mookie Betts missed a lot of time yeah. last year with a hip injury. Yeah,
0: so I'm just saying it's a great lineup on paper if you pencil everyone into it every night. And, And I hope that they do stay healthy because I think it would be a lot of fun to watch these guys hit every day, but don't write them down for a thousand runs just yet.
1: (laughs) I think this lineup bears a lot of resemblance to last year's lineup, which was also full of all-stars. But I I, I think to the same idea that they don't have, you know, Chris Taylor is an, an everyday player at this point, and that's not a bad thing. He's very good. But when he was your super sub two, three years ago, I I think there was a different level of depth, if not the same ceiling in the lineup. And, you know, you had Enrique Hernandez, who you can slide slide around. I think Joe Sheehan calls this like idea team pretzel. Mm -hmm. And they're they're not so much that. And that's not just because of Freddie Freeman. It's because the quality of their backups is not nearly the same. I mean, last year, we saw a lot of Luke Raley, Zach Rex, DJ Peters, I'm trying to think of some of the, the other guys who kind of came up and weren't great, but you know, uh, Sheldon Noisy, who I think they, they DFA'd Billy McKinney and Steven Souza got important playoff at bats yeah. for this team. You know, I, I think when you talk about age and injury and depth that it that's a real, I mean, it's nitpicking, but it's also, we saw it last year. It was not, it's not like this is some far off, concern it's very present you know we, we ran down the number of guys and you know taylor aside from the elbow injury i think almost missed the wild card game because he was coming off a a back injury i mean in the second half of the season he, yeah, was, he, had the he neck was pretty thing. compromised neck that's what it was yeah Thank he had you. the neck thing i think to that extent signing freeman and moving lux into a utility kind of role that's going to see a bunch of time is, is a good thing uh getting edwin rios back he was hurt most of last year could be good you know We joked about Hanser Alberto, but he can play all over and he can hit lefties. And that's, again, like, he's not necessarily going to be like Pujols in terms of power, but he can do those things. And they needed to pick up Albert Pujols last year. I didn't mention that. You know, like, all of this matters to some degree. And so I do think it's a a relevant nitpick and, you know, one that we're going to see play out this year because – You know, they do have some prospects coming up through the upper minors and we can get to, I guess, rookies at some point, but they're not like right under the surface necessarily.
2: Yeah. And I think that that will end up being relevant when you think about other ways that they might improve around the deadline. Like this system does have a a lot of depth, but it is further away. And so how that changes the calculus for them at the deadline in terms of who they can ship out if they need to bring in. I don't know that they would struggle to get what they need, but it's going to the return is going to look really different than it did last year when like they brought in Scherzer and Turner right
1: yeah I think so
0: so is that lack of depth on the offensive side that we were just talking about the weakness or would you point to pitching and the lack of depth there as the greatest weakness
1: yeah i had pitching depth and look yeah. it's it's weird to say when they signed all and i said specifically rotation depth uh when they signed all like so many starters megan and i were talking about it right and look, they'll have dustin may coming back in maybe august they signed any duffy i think he's coming back as a reliever i think they they've kind of said that but Look, I thought Tyler Anderson, as unexciting as, as he can be as an acquisition, and Meg can speak to that. So last <laughs> last trade deadline, was was really a, a good one yeah. for this team in that he can go out there and take the ball and, you know, provide serviceable outings. Yep. I th- I don't know that he has the the upside that Andrew Heaney might in terms of making some changes, but really both of them just throwing a bunch of innings will will do a lot for this for this club because. Bueller had some blister issues, was limited a few times last year. We've talked about Kershaw. Urias has was healthy and at his best last year, but he has missed a bunch of time over various, you know, over the seasons uh, the last few years. So I, I don't think you can necessarily assume he's going to come through 180 innings again. So I I think, you know, they have some guys beneath the surface in terms of prospects, but it I thought Anderson was actually a really – necessary signing. He's not the key to their season, but I I do think necessary in terms of depth and and preserving some depth. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: While we're on the subject, maybe we can just get Bauer behind us here, which the Dodgers probably want to do at this point too. Do you have any theories about why MLB is still kicking the can down the road here when it comes to the paid leave as opposed to just making a decision on the suspension already? And can you envision any scenario where, if for some reason he is not suspended for the entire season, the Dodgers would actually employ him to pitch for them.
1: Sure, I yeah, I can envision that, and the Dodgers are not particularly more moral or ethical than than any other organization. They signed him <laughs> last yeah, year. Yeah, right. Was, they 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 that. signed him with a bunch of you know people had concerns uh, going into that in the first place, and they signed him and and they spent the money, and I think a lot of teams are not necessarily willing to or, or interested. You know, I. I think you could argue about the definition of a sunk cost in in this case and you know it depends what terms you're looking at it under but i don't know that they'd call him that you know i saw there was a quote going around that robert said it was really unlikely or something like that and then there was some additional context that you know maybe that was a little bit of spin you know he kind of didn't really say anything or make any real commitment the sense i get is that and look this is you know through my own filter so you know take it with with whatever grain of salt the sense i get though is that the the organization would be fine moving on without him i think the moves that they've made you know would tell you that they're planning to move on without him but that might be under the guise of him being suspended for the year and and thus not have a problem i don't know why mlb is taking so long to reach their decision i suspect it might be because he's likely to be litigious in a way that no one else has Mm -hmm. to this point. They've all accepted their suspensions and that if they're going, if someone is going to appeal, they're trying to, you know, shore up every single angle or, or, you know, every single decision that they make, they're they're trying to provide a lot of substantive support, but I, I don't really know. And I suspect any, additional suspension that they do under the paid leave policy might fall under some sort of you know factor into a suspension I don't know if the suspension will go forward or no. include anything retroactively yeah. or not they they have done retroactive before but that's also been when people have agreed right. not to appeal so those are two different situations potentially
2: right and he you know he has because he is on administrative leave he has been paid this whole time we have seen Players who have been on administrative leave and been paid have, to your point, part of that leave factored into their suspension. But I'm struggling to think, and there might be an example of this, I'm struggling to think of an example where someone has been on leave for this long and how that will complicate their decision. I agree with you. I think that he has demonstrated that he has a litigious propensity to him so i imagine that they are expecting this to drag on and be kind of ugly which is part of why it's taking as long as it is
0: all right do you have a breakout pick is this the year for andrew heaney
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think heaney you know uh, michael ahetta wrote something for us right around when he signed i think there are you know reasons you could like him I don't know if it's cheating to say, like, Cody Bellinger after the last couple seasons he's had. And and obviously he was different in the NLDS, and I, I think he can carry that forward. If that's not a real answer, I have some really... I have some reliever picks. Yes. Do <laughs> it. It's not really exciting but the well Evan Phillips was a a late season pickup for them and they gave him the sweeper slider and he just was really good. He was really good in the playoffs. They didn't go to him a ton but he pitched well when when called upon. And the other one which I think falls under like Likely Dodgers bull is Carson Fulmer (laughs) is in camp as an NRI, and I could absolutely see him being like, you know, I don't know, a perfectly acceptable like 315 ERA over the course of a season, uh, even though he's kind of flamed out everywhere he's gone before this point.
2: Do you have any others, Ben? I guess like Hanser Alberto could be a breakout in a in Hanser totally. Alberto adjusted terms. Like he's gonna get <laughs> yeah. no, but like in terms of how much playing time he's likely to get, I like he signed a big league deal. I don't know. I, I'm I'm here for the. I think two years, right? I think he got two I years. Think from... You might be right about yeah. that. So I'm I'm here for the Hanser Alberto experience.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, this could be a related question, but most important, rookie. This could be someone who has not yet debuted, a prospect who could be coming up at some point this season, or it could be a holdover who still has rookie eligibility. Your choice.
1: Yeah, I don't know that they have anyone that's really (laughs) a, a holdover in that capacity. I wrote down two names and they have question marks after both of them. I think the hard part is that this lineup is, I mean, really everywhere is full of veterans who aren't, you know, unless there's multiple injuries that we're not necessarily likely to see these guys get a ton of playing time. Uh, On the pitching side, I had Ryan Pepio. I, I think he's a little bit ahead of, like, bobby miller not in terms of necessarily ranking but just polish and likelihood to make a debut he's got a really really good changeup. he throws in the mid 90s i could absolutely see him coming up to start or relieve potentially at some point and then i don't know if you guys saw the the clip going around the other day but miguel vargas absolutely yeah. annihilated a baseball in spring training he's really good he can really hit uh his defense is is a little bit more questionable Although I thought he was looking a little more athletic than he had been in the past. And so if there are enough injuries where it would make sense for him to be in the lineup, I I could definitely see him coming up and hitting this year. I think there's a good chance he starts in triple a and you know, that that's obviously just one step from the majors. And I, you know, I, I honestly think like their most important prospect or rookie is someone who they might end up trading at some yeah. point in the way the mm-hmm. last few seasons have gone. Yeah. So, right. I don't know. That's another way to look at it, I guess.
0: And not a rookie, but a possible breakout pick who maybe is too obvious, but post-type sleeper, Gavin Lux, who I know that you still have a lot of faith in. And it seemed like he might be in line for increased playing time until the Freeman signing. And that kind of blocked him. And you might think, oh, well, the Dodgers don't trust him or something. Well, in that case, you're getting Freddie Freeman. So I think almost anyone is going (laughs) to be blocked by him. But it seemed like up until that point, they were maybe ready to entrust him. And it seemed like he had justified some confidence down the stretch last season. So you still believe Steve, I know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. And I think I, you know, it's it's a tough situation. And I think a lot of people think, oh, maybe they'll trade him, you know, for Luis, Castillo, you know, as a as part of a package for Luis Castillo or another pitcher that that would help them shore up the rotation in terms of roster building. I don't know that they can necessarily afford to trade him because, again, yeah. the, this is all about, you know, I go back to the depth point, which has been their talking point for so long. But like, I think this is Justin Turner's last year, you know, so you're probably going to end up Sliding Chris Taylor over to third base, potentially Trey Turner's a free agent at the end of the season. I know that the Dodgers have kind of been inevitable for the last, you know, five years and won the division three years before that and stuff like that. They've been just like one of the dominant teams of the decade, but When I said, like, they're aging out of their core to some degree, like, they they really are. And that doesn't mean, you know, again, you still have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Max Muncie for a couple years. And then, you know, you have Will Smith and stuff. But Cody Bellinger is not, you know, signed for the next five years. I don't know if you'd want to. A lot of these guys are, they're going to have to make decisions on, essentially. And there's going to have to be another wave. And I think Gavin Lux is essentially the bridge to that next wave and if you move him there's there's really I don't know I got you don't have that bridge and it doesn't mean you can't bridge it later but he's important in that he can play over you know a, a bunch of different positions including ones that they're going to need to backfill and honestly like I know he's had a you know a rough kind of couple 3 years in the majors whenever he's been there but 2020, he had, you know, I I think he had COVID and he was coming off of that. He did seem to put it together towards the end of last year. It was just finding playing time and adjusting to new positions. And I think if he can figure out how to drive the ball, I mean, his slugging percentage has just been so bad. I I think if he can figure out how to drive the ball at all, he still can, you know, cash in on that promise. And And I think it's important for him to do that and that they keep him around to give him the chance to do it.
2: Especially if they stop making him try to play like center field. That was weird. I don't know that that's an experiment we need to duplicate. Justin Turner has a $16 million (laughs) vesting option and it's a club option for Alberto in year two. He has a $2 million 2023 club option. Hmm.
0: Good fact checking. So this is an NL West preview, not just a Los Angeles Dodgers <laughs> preview, so we should probably move on. But if there are any other interesting storylines or questions that we have not touched on that you want to get in here before we move on, I guess my only question for you maybe is how you think this Dodgers team stacks up to the other excellent Dodgers teams during this great run of theirs where they have either won the division every year or just barely lost it to the Giants, who were also a super team. So It's hard to say, I guess, because you could make a case that maybe the 2020 team was the best of them all, not just in the sense that they won the World Series, but also just looked like a great team. But it's hard to say, maybe just because we only got to see them for a 60-game season plus the playoffs. But does this team stack up to the best of the Dodgers teams during this run, or is it one of the weaker ones or middle of the pack? Where do you see it slotting in?
1: I think upper middle. I I think it's a little bit behind. I mean, I I think either you know even post Scherzer Turner trade last year, like that that was a ridiculous lineup with an insane front of the rotation, even when Kershaw wasn't healthy for part of it. Like I mean, Scherzer Bueller Urias is stupid, and I think it's a little bit this team is a little bit behind that version of the team and also the 2021 probably but the the lineup is probably the most consistent one and it seems like you know it's easy to say that whenever it's spring training and and people are mostly healthy i guess i guess the one area we didn't touch on a ton was the bullpen but i don't know that we need to talk about that much (laughs) It seems like a very deep open. I had forgotten the sign, Daniel Hudson.
0: We'll talk about it in October when Dave Roberts figures out on the fly how he wants to use it. <laughs> And I guess we should say that uh, whether you speak Spanish or not, maybe try to find some time at some point this season to tune in to some Jaime Harin broadcasts because this is his farewell tour, right? his 64th season in the organization going back to 1959, (laughs) which is just unbelievable that he and Scully were there for so long, overlapping. But yes, uh, catch him while you can. All right. So... I don't know that I would say that I believe the Giants are necessarily the second-best team in this division, but in deference to the thrill ride that they all gave us last season, maybe we can just go directly to the Giants. So do you have a best or favorite offseason move for San Francisco?
1: Yeah, again, I, I feel like this is going to come off a little contrarian. I I think there are obvious ones, and like Carlos Rodon has the most upside. I really liked that they brought back Alex Wood. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a really good pitcher. And I know he's often hurt and or, or not going, you know, eight innings or seven innings into a start as no one else is. But I think he's just a legitimately very good pitcher and and has been for, I don't know, I guess th- there were some bad years in between his L.A. stints. But he was really good in L.A. Uh, he I, I know the ERA was bad, but he was good in the playoffs in 2020. He was good for San Francisco last year. And I, I actually think he provides them – more upside than people are giving him credit for and yeah i like i they just the other part about the giants is they made so many moves yeah Yeah. i mean like four-fifths of their rotation is technically a move i mean they brought back wood they brought back disco but they signed if the dodgers didn't sign all the pictures the giants did (laughs) so it's a little bit hard to just pick one because it's it's their whole rotation almost aside from logan webb but I did really. I I think he's undervalued. Wood is undervalued to some degree. I I think if you said Rodon is extremely reasonable as well.
2: Yeah, I, I really want to see what they do with Rodon. Like, I'm excited about that pairing. I hope that he is able to stay healthy such that we get to enjoy whatever that pairing may bring. Like, I know that we have concerns there, and it's hard to sort what is the White Sox having been cheap and the White Sox having been very well-versed in his medical. So, you know, yeah. there, are some, there are some questions there. Those might be related, but they were kind of pretty busy, weren't they? They were pretty, they were pretty busy in the Bay. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Strengths, weaknesses?
1: I mean, their strength is that they're the Giants. Like, I don't (laughs) know exactly how to say they have, you know, if you look at at Roster Resource, they have four platoon bats in the lineup. I mean, the natural assumption is that they can whatever they did last year on that, they can do again. I don't think that's wrong. But I also I don't know. Last year did come out of nowhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess I have a lot of questions, less doubt more than just questions about whether that stuff holds, right? Like Evan Longoria had one of his best seasons of his career at age 35. Brandon Crawford had one one of the best seasons of his career at age 34. Brandon Belt had a great season at 33. I mean, you talk about the age in the Dodgers lineup. Joey Bart is younger than anyone in the Dodgers lineup, but everyone else is going to, you know, I guess Tyro Estrada is younger, but like everyone else is 28 plus. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. I don't know.
1: I, I don't know how you their strengths and weaknesses to me are so inter, intertwined in that, like, it's either going to be a strength or a weakness. And I don't know which it's going to be at this right. point.
0: Well, Pakota has not learned its lesson.
1: <laughs> no, has <not. laughs> well, maybe it yeah. shouldn't have,
0: yeah. right? Maybe the wrong lesson to learn is, hey, the Giants are going to break projection systems more than any other team has ever broken them. Or and AG every works, year, right? Right. I mean, I like, mean I when you have a team that is that much of an outlier, and I know that there were hints of it in earlier seasons, yeah. whether it was some of Farhan Zaidi's yep. smart pickups, or you know, the the Mike Yastrzemski's of the world, or in twenty twenty, uh, the offense in particular really made some. Strides and it was the short season, but still. And I know that there's a story that goes along with it, and it's a somewhat convincing story, right? In that you have the giantest coaching staff in the majors, right? No pun intended. You just have so many major league coaches. You have Brian Bannister, whose work that I have followed and admired for many years. So it makes sense, but you don't know how quickly to admit them to the club of teams that you think, oh, they're great at player development, like they can get more out of players. It's like you talk about the Rays or the Dodgers or maybe the Yankees, at least with certain facets of the game, right, with pitchers or with hitters. And now I guess you have to include the Giants in that conversation. But it's still really one full season that they have done it, and they did it in such a dramatic and fun way. And I think by the end of the season, like – Our doubts were assuaged about whether that version of the Giants was good. I mean, by the end of the season, I was not thinking, oh, this is a fluke. I was thinking, wow, this team is good. I don't know how, but it's really good. And their underlying performance was there, too. It's not like one of these teams that just wildly overperforms its run differential or something. This was a team that had good underlying numbers, too. And now it's just, can you do it again? And also, can you do it without at least some of the players who were there last year, most notably Buster Posey? But, you know, with that and with everyone getting a year older, you'd have to be somewhat skeptical. Like, you don't want to be burned again by the team that fooled everyone. And yet you don't also want to just jump in with both feet and say, yeah, I guess the Giants are just going to be 20 to 30 games better than the projection system say
1: every year. (laughs) I think that's that's really well said. I mean, it's funny because we wrote... Ginny, Cyril wrote an article before last season that said, like, Pocota likes likes the Giants because I think we had 11 hitters projected to be league average or better on mm-hmm. their team. You know, it was... I, I think it was the pitching that maybe tripped Pocota last year, but regardless, I mean, all those reasons you said, it's, it's not... I don't mean to, to take anything away from them last season because they were the best team in baseball last season. They were... Like, they earned everything they did it wasn't like a fluke performance you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but the question is whether everyone can kind of do that again or whether everyone needs to i suppose look you can tell me darren ruff is a great hitter i at this point like i buy that i watched him a lot last year he's just a very good hitter You know, the the question to me is whether like Evan Longoria, again, at age thirty-six can do this again. And that's something I don't know. You know, I buy Brandon Bell. I there there are guys that I buy into, and then there are others where I'm like, I'm not necessarily doubting. It's just I that's the question to be answered. And it might be that the answer is yes, but they had so much go right kind of all at once. And it's not that any individual one of those was fluky or unlikely or anything like that. It was the collective of it happening altogether i guess was was part of what stood out to me but yeah it's it's very hard to to figure out for me well and
2: there there has been meaningful attrition on this roster beyond whatever regression we might anticipate for them, like I don't want to give Joey Bart a hard time, but like the drop off from last <laughs> year's Buster Posey to Joey Bart is meaningful. And I think that this organization has shown that like they do not always have a tremendous amount of confidence in Joey Bart. So, you know, I-, I think that there are reasons to look at this team, even if you do buy in and say like, yeah, they seem to have really demonstrated some acumen in terms of not only their player dev, but like how they construct this roster and deploy it. And they seem to have buy-in and all of that stuff you can say yes to all of that and still think like they probably won't do what they did last year and I don't think that that's Knocking them, like I still think they're going to be a really good team, but I think you can look at it and go, yeah, it's probably not last year,
1: right? Yeah. And the other, the non-projection, like the thing that a projection system is not going to get either is if you said where there is a weak spot, I think this front office will find an effective solution. I would buy that wholeheartedly. I mean, this front office and and coaching staff is very, very good, Uh, and I and I think you can have a lot of confidence in them. You know, if if Jock Peterson isn't hitting. Like, I don't think they're just going to keep doing right. it like they'll find someone else who yeah. can and backfill that space with something more productive than than either what a projection system things or, or what they're getting. And I think you can absolutely have a ton of confidence in that happening. And that's something that a, a system like if it's if it's not on the roster now or not, you know, allocated in our depth charts, it's just not necessarily going to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, And, you know, Kevin Gossman's gone. Is Alex Cobb or Matthew Boyd or someone going to be the next Kevin Gossman? I mean, it's possible, I guess, but it's hard to have that kind of mid-career reinvention or peaking every year. Maybe they can keep that up. Who knows? But all right. So that brings us to best rookie or most important rookie. Is Bart still eligible at this point? I guess I don't even know. But is there anyone else who's on the radar?
1: Bart is still eligible. Uh Yeah, I put Bart down, but if you're not going to go with Joe, I actually will say that my first answer was Camilo Duvall. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. He's not rookie eligible anymore, though. I think he counts. He's not rookie eligible. He's not rookie eligible. You can say he's going
2: to be a breakout, though, and then you get to squeeze him in. You get to sneak him in
1: sure break yeah it. no i did i did i did replace yeah. doval with bart right i just say i i just that was the first name that came up in my mind before i checked <laughs> the eligibility but yeah no i think it is joey bart i mean i think this lineup needs i don't know i it's see it's i feel dumb saying it like the lineup could use use the power because like they were a tremendous lineup last year and returned many of the same guys. But at the same time, it's kind of, kind of what I think. So I don't know.
2: I I think that's a defensible pick. I mean, he is going to be like what he ends up being for them long term. I think we will get a a sense of this year and their options behind that. Like, I'm just going to be, you know, slagging on Giants catchers, but like, I don't think that Kirk Casale gives anyone like a warm and fuzzy. So I think that that's fair. The other name that kind of occurs to me here is like, you know, Helio Ramos is down in AAA. And if they end up with outfield issues, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's something that might end up mattering here. I'll let you, you can pick Duval. It's fine. There are a lot of ways to count prospect eligibility, Craig. I don't know if you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I am aware. He does have fewer than 50 innings, which is one way to right. to look at it. But no, I do think. I mean, their their bullpen. Look, they they have Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee, both of who are whom are capable of pitching at the back end of a bullpen. I think. But you know, I think we saw what he what he meant to them towards the tail end yeah. of last season and in the playoffs. And I know he you know he gave up the the hit to Cody Bellinger or whatever, but he was really really yeah. very good. And I think having Someone that dynamic at the back end of their bullpen could be a difference maker for them. I I mean, they just have so many options in that bullpen, too. I also wrote down Curvin Castro, who I think is, is really good and not, I don't think, going to break camp with the team. He's a depth option, but I think he's another reliever who's really, I'm just talking about relievers a lot, I guess. So okay. good. <laughs>
3: Well,
0: it's hard to find a breakout candidate here because almost literally everyone on the roster broke out last year or, or the year before, or 10
2: years ago, depending
0: yeah, on who you're right. talking about. Re broke out, yeah. So I don't know, Steven
1: Duggar, <laughs> who's left? Who's yeah, not like it's totally broken out? Possible. I, I said Alex Cobb. Uh-huh. I yeah. think, like, I mean, you could argue he broke out last year after. Five years of of strikeout percentages in the mid teens. He struck out twenty five percent of batters last year, mm-hmm. without you know meaningfully increasing his walk rate from twenty twenty. I am excited to see what the Giants pitching and development staff does with someone who posted a two nine two fifth for the Angels. I know it was only ninety three innings, but like I don't know. I mean the angel <laughs> the Angels are famous for breaking pitchers, and he was actually pretty good for mm-hmm. them. I'm curious what he'll do. What he'll do with the Giants, I, I think he has. Op- I think there's an opportunity that like people will catch up to how he was actually pretty good last year when he was when he mm-hmm. was pitching.
2: Can we say, given that we know that people take like a year to adjust to to really good performances, can we say that Logan Webb can break out further than he has already?
0: Yeah, I think he he can break out in terms of like being famous, <laughs> maybe or yeah. at least
1: looking like Jesse Plemons.
0: Yeah, big year <laughs> right. for
2: those guys, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, Webb was great last year, obviously, during the regular season and in the playoffs, but he is now being mentioned on very short lists that I've seen of best pitchers in baseball at this point. So people are totally buying in. I mean, he was good just all year long to some extent, but I guess the way he ended the season makes people buy in even more on, like, this is a Cy Young candidate now.
2: People love sinker, guys.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think he's I don't know exactly where I'd put him in a ranking and I don't know if like top ten or whatever is too too hasty. I buy in on the quality of pitcher. He is a, a lot. Yeah. I think he's just straight up really he's good. Really good. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. All right. Any other stories, questions, anything on your mind concerning the Giants?
1: The only thing I, I mentioned it I was just said, but the only thing I put under weakness that I didn't like out and out address was age. I mean, I talked about how old they were, but this is a very old. <laughs> They're quite old, and I, and I just think that's that's one thing to watch for when you come up when when you are looking at storylines and injuries and things like that. Is just or skill regression. Is that this is I mean, listella Belt Crawford Longoria. Jastrzemski, are all over 30. If you look at the some of the platoon options, Ruff and Flores are over 30. Casali is over 30. So it's just, that's one thing I would be keeping track of.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, that takes us to the Padres. And is this a case I'm leading the witness here? But maybe this is a team where the best offseason move is not player-related. <laughs> we have a new manager in San Diego this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I... I don't know. I mean, I think the manager is very important. It's hard for me to have much insight into how much of things that went awry is really yeah. to to be put at Jace Tingler's feet. But I don't think there's mm-hmm. any. Uh, yeah, I needed to say Jace Tingler. I'm sorry. I don't think there's there's any <laughs> doubt that bringing in Bob Melvin is a is a good a good thing to do. I was going to say when I put under best offseason move was like Luke Voigt, question mark Did they do anything else? Because <laughs> I don't Nick Martinez yeah, doesn't right. count. I'm not no offense to Nick Martinez, but like come on. <laughs> so it's kind of that and, and Melvin, right? Yeah. Um,
0: just health right (laughs) Yeah, sure. getting pitchers whose arms are attached hopefully back having Mike Clevenger maybe you know just because down the stretch last season yeah like you I mean I don't know that people were down on Jace Tingler when the Padres were doing pretty well early last season or the season before that and then suddenly things fell apart and it seemed like it could have been one of those cases where teams start struggling everyone gets hurt suddenly you're having clubhouse chemistry issues and is it a chicken or the egg thing so I don't know. Is it him? Is it, you know, You they fired the pitching coach, right? But that didn't actually give them any serviceable pitchers. They just had Jake Arrieta <laughs> anyway. So they got themselves into this position where they just did not have any workable arms, and they were just picking up the dregs just to have someone, some sort of warm body or lukewarm body even. And that specifically, like, I couldn't even really fault A.J. Preller for because he did sign or trade for, like an entire rotation's worth of, like, strong starters. And they just all got hurt or had something go horribly wrong. So that was just one of those things. And I don't know that Bob Melvin helps with that, but... He can't hurt, right? And it was kind of amusing how the A's were just like, "What, Bob? Like, it's gonna get rough around <laughs> here." Why don't, well, why don't you, why you retire you to Southern <laughs> California? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just let you leave. We won't ask for anything in return. <laughs> yeah, you can just go. We just we don't want to subject you to Oakland A's baseball in 2022. So just go.
2: <laughs> yeah, the only person that their situation really helped was you, Ben, because then Krizmak <laughs> got all those innings, and you yes. just got to run away with the minor league free agent draft.
0: That's right. So strengths, weaknesses, what you got?
1: I said their strength was their rotation, which is like really weird to say when they were, (laughs) you know, running out in a, in a playoff race, like Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez, but I mean, their rotation is Musgrove, Snell, Darvish, Clevenger. That's really, really good when healthy, and it seems like those guys are mostly healthy. You know, Snell, before he got hurt towards the end of the year, did seem like he had fixed whatever was ailing him in the first half of the season. Joe Musgrove was just good all the time so i you know even if these guys if you find that like darvish and snell nibble too much or aren't quite what they were sold as or whatever they're all still really really good and you know we'll see what mike clevenger brings back after the amount of time he missed i i don't know what he will but he was a good pitcher before he before he was injured and yeah i mean i just think i looked at the other elements. And I think this is a good team, but I looked at the lineup, and like before they acquired Luke Voigt, their DH was Jerks and Profar, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nomar Mazzara? Like, it's yeah. not like a super deep lineup. And no. especially while it's
0: lacking its best player. <laughs> so, right. Right. not having right. Fernando exactly. Jr. for half a season or so potentially well so but
1: even if he comes back maybe it's like Hassan kim which is who's not bad certainly but like again mm-hmm. on, on just a straight bat like i don't know you know i feel like i'm gonna look bad saying this because i'm sure that they'll hit it's just it's it's not when you compare it to i guess the the giants and the dodgers it, it feels a little light yeah which i guess is my weakness
2: well and i i think I think that the other weakness that we have to mention here is that like their ability to course correct and supplement is pretty compromised relative to what it's been in years past, right? Like they they spent their Prospect Capital. Um, oh. and
1: their <laughs> boy did they.
2: And boy did they. <laughs> and their their ability to kind of help fix this team if, you know, the rotation doesn't stay healthy, if Tatis is out longer or one of their other bats goes down and they kind of can't backfill at the deadline the way that they would have in years past because you know, some of their guys, they're just not going to move. And we can talk about them as, as potential impact rookies later, I guess. But some of their guys, they're not going to move. And then when you look at their starters, like Paddock is Paddock. He still doesn't have a third pitch. The fact that, like, they were starting all of those guys and didn't bring up Mackenzie Gore probably tells you what you need to know about Mackenzie Gore, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan Weathers is Ryan Weathers. So, like, their ability to backfill here is – is is compromise relative to what it's been in years past which doesn't mean that this is a bad team but it's one where you know they're gonna feel nervous (laughs) when elbows and and soft tissues start barking as as those things literally do
1: i think that's a a great point what i was thinking of while you were saying all this i was going to ask you guys like what are you confident in about this team like it might be an individual player but if you if you break down the units by like lineup rotation bullpen are there any of those that you have a ton of confidence in Over the course of a full season no to be clear like i think this is probably the second best team in this division i i I think there's a very good chance they finish ahead of the giants so i'm not trying to say that they're bad they're not bad i just no single spot inspires a ton of confidence in me in terms of of breaking them down by units they have very good players who i am confident in individually but Mm
2: -hmm. yeah but they do seem to carry a lot of downside risk yeah that's a good way to put it I think is is a fair concern to have when you're kind of taking it, you know, unit by unit rather than individual player to individual player. And they still have a couple of like not great anchors, you know. They were not able to move Eric Hosmer, mm-hmm. for instance. You know, that's still a problem that they have to account for at some point. Like Will Myers has been more up and down, but, you know, I still got Will Myers and that hair, you know. <laughs> that's got to be, that's got to cost you a couple of runs, that hair.
0: Although you mentioned Mackenzie Gore. And uh, don't want to get anyone excited, but five spring training innings, one base runner, seven strikeouts. Maybe it's time. Mackenzie maybe. Gore, Are you going to go for Mackenzie Gore as a breakout pick or most important rookie, or is that a, a leap?
3: <laughs>
1: I did put him as most important rookie. Mm-hmm. I I did note. His, I went back and watched three innings yesterday from him before I had to go to dinner. And what I would say was, and and again, this is I didn't watch the last two innings, so maybe he got some stuff in order. But I thought the his fastball, he was missing. His location quite a bit yesterday it was still it was a live fastball that was very good his curve looked really good and he was you know manipulating it very very well he, he could uh, back foot it to right handers and uh was throwing it for strikes a bunch but i think he is the most important rookie in the sense that we're talking about like their ability to backfill is tough and it's exactly what meg said like for all their pitching moves, like they did not turn to him uh yeah. the last couple seasons but if he was he doesn't have to be, you know, the prince who was promised or whatever. But like, right. even if he's just viable as a major league starter this year, that is a big piece of additional depth. And I think that makes him a very crucial, likely rookie to, to see some time this year. And and I don't, I just don't really know the other options is is the other part of it.
2: Yeah. In terms of impact rookies, you mean?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: I guess you could make an argument for Campy, but as long as Austin Nola is exactly. like kind of humming along. What do you what do you think the timeline on Abrams is?
1: See, that's that's everyone. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm slower than everyone on him. Like it seems like I mean, I guess Preller does push these guys very quickly. Yeah, it would feel fast to me given the injury. I think without the injury, yeah. there, there was a very good chance we'd see him this year. I guess we still could, but I feel like he's more of a 2023 guy. Yeah, I think that that's fair.
0: I guess we could also note that in addition to acquiring Bob Melvin, they also acquired Ruben Diebla, who we mentioned on the AL Central segment Mm -hmm. the other day, that uh, he had a lot of success, or at least Cleveland did, with him. And so now he's here. (laughs) So maybe he can keep people healthy, who knows, but maybe he can fix some of these players we've been talking about, like Mackenzie Gore, for instance. If he could bring Guardians-caliber pitching development to the Padres, that would be a welcome change.
2: Yeah, because it does seem to be kind of an under-discussed through line for them that they have, you know, they have struggled to kind of get these guys over the hump, right? They've yeah. gotten them to the majors, but in terms of elevating them, it's like you have Weathers, you have Paddock, like Gores or something, but they haven't been able to sort of push those guys into the realm that we maybe had the expectation that they could achieve based on raw talent when they were prospects. So if they're able to course correct there, that would be a really, really good development for them. Mm-hmm.
1: Internally, like the biggest win is Denelson Lamette and he's been hurt all the time. And and I don't know how much credit to give them for Joe Musgrove, who seemed like he was kind of breaking out towards the tail end of his Pirates tenure. But if you wanted to give them some credit on him, I mean, he certainly had his best season. Yeah. So.
3: Yep.
0: And he apparently has looked pretty decent this spring, too. So another guy to get your hopes up about. (laughs) Are there any other breakout candidates or rookies you have your eye on?
1: No, I mean, like, I don't know who you you can break out. I mean, like, again, like, Nomar Mazzara is in camp. I I said this to Ben yesterday, but, like, Profar is there, Mazzara is there, Alfaro is there, Preller is there. Like, he's just putting the gang back together. Like... Yeah, they need to acquire Ronald <laughs> Guzman, who's with the Yankees. And what is Nick Williams up to? Like, can we find him? What's What's going? On? I just think yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm going to say Nomar Mazzara because I was all, all, all the way in on him as a as a prospect. And why not? He's he's back where you know with the people, if not the organization, he belongs yeah. with. I, no, there's no. I don't know. You could really like Hasan Kim, I guess. I, yeah. I don't have. I think that's totally yeah. reasonable. If you wanted like a rebound season for Luke Voigt after last year, totally sure. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. buy all of that. I think they're both pretty good already. I don't know. Yeah, Kim would be
0: my breakout pick. It's maybe wish casting or or just hoping because I was expecting and hoping for more out of him last season. But maybe that's the silver lining of Tatis being unavailable, is that Kim gets to just play a position every day for a while, and who knows, maybe sophomore season in MLB, perhaps he improves. I mean, he's a good glove, so if that's all he gives you, then that's not so bad. But I was hoping that he would hit more, and I don't know that there was a lot of underlying indication that there was more in the bat from last season. But again, maybe just acclimating to the majors, and who knows, getting to know the pitchers better etc changing cultures and conditions maybe there could be more in him because uh just you know based on the projections and how well he hit in yeah, korea yeah. and some of the glowing things that scouts said about him i just i kind of thought that was sort of a steal potentially yeah. so i guess they're happy to have him now that they really need a shortstop every day but yeah. still
1: he had like a his his exit velocity his average exit velocity was like 87 miles per hour a little bit under it's not it, that's But what's interesting is like his his max was 112, which is not bad. So like it seems like there could be more there if he if he can tighten up the zone, maybe make less weak contact. But yeah, I'm I'm hopeful, too. I think it would be it would be nice. I think the talent is there certainly to to be a little bit better than what he was last year.
2: I have an ungenerous question that isn't about Hassan Kim. What is our over under on Austin Adams hit by pitches in oh, man.
0: That is an interesting story slash question. <laughs>
2: I don't know that it's a generous question, but I think yeah. it is an interesting question because, lest our listeners forget, 24! 24, 24 last year.
1: In 52 24. and two thirds innings.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, that is unsafe. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know because it had been a bit of a problem for him before, but not to that extent. And it got to the point where it seemed like they were a little reluctant to use him. They were still running him out there, but not as regularly because he had been effective despite plunking everyone. But then that slipped a little and it was like, man, you just got to get yourself under control here. Like, I know that slider is unhittable, but also you can't just hit people with it. So what
1: Austin Adams proposes is maybe you can. Right. <laughs> Maybe he's ironed that out, hopefully, at some point over this winter. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What's a reasonable over under? Like 15 and a half? <laughs> sure yeah okay. it feels low when you just did no. 24, but also it's an insanely high <laughs> it's number. It's an
2: insanely high number. I think that like that feels like not overreacting to a statistically aberrant season, right that feels yeah. mm-hmm. that feels fine. He has thrown two spring innings so far and has hit zero guys. so all right. maybe things are behind him although he has walked one so one might suggest that he doesn't always quite know where it's going still it just hasn't ended up plunking
0: anybody yet.
2: So that's good.
0: All right. Well, anything else other than will Fernando Tatis stop riding motorcycles and hurting himself in various ways? Are there any other lingering questions about the
1: Padres? I don't know. I I think it's just their pitching, whether these guys can stay healthy and and perform, you know, even to 85 percent of of what we know they're capable of in Mm a lot of cases. All
0: right. Would you prefer to go Rockies or Diamondbacks here?
1: Let's go with Arizona.
0: Okay, yeah. Save the the most perplexing for last, perhaps. <laughs> not that the Diamondbacks are not perplexing in their own way. So, best offseason move for Arizona.
1: So there aren't a ton of options here. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with Oliver Perez. Bringing <laughs> Oliver Perez <laughs> yeah. to camp. Yeah, we I'm need retiring. Oliver Perez. He pulled the Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. Like he, I he also. This is the the best kind of I, other people have noted this, but the best kind of like baseball move, which we've gotten a lot of this year is just like whoever is here in camp with a with a locker and a uniform. Yeah, like,
2: is on the roster now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just like I think he's just an NRI, but like I'd like him. What are the, what else are they doing? You know, sure. give mm-hmm. Oliver, Oliver Perez a roster spot for a little bit. If you're not going to go for that, I get, you know, Mark Melanson. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Ian Kennedy. They didn't they kind of just brought in some relievers, right? Yeah, I guess I mean, Jordan Luplo early on in the offseason. They, they
0: just signed Zach Davies recently, which oh, know, I missed that. Okay. not a major move, but <laughs> they would have sure. killed they, for uh, Zach Davies at, at yeah. various points last season when they had like one starter left still standing from their opening day rotation. Zach Davies would have been a godsend. So
1: Yeah, I think he's um it's a kind of a tough fit for environment and the style of pitching that Zach Davies is, but I think he's, he's good. And that's a, you know, they're, they certainly could use arms to, to rotate through or just be, you know, stabilize their rotation. But yeah, I mean, I think everything they've done is kind of on that level. I think Jordan Lupo is a fine platoon hitter. That's yeah. sure. Go get him and trade him at the deadline for something, you know, you could use, Weird. you know, in your next contention cycle. Yeah. I think that more teams should be doing that. And I liked that they did it. So same with Melanson. You know?
2: I think if they're able to have acquired better health, that that would honestly be the single best thing
1: that this team could get.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You need more than Merrill Kelly alone. <laughs> I think you need more <laughs> starters. Looked, who, than that. If
1: we're talking about spring performances mm-hmm. was like incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He was throwing what three miles per hour harder than he had last year. Uh-huh. So that could be good for them.
0: All right. What else is good for them? Strengths.
1: So I wrote down the concept of regression to the mean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: is a str- is a strength for them for this team. They're not. I mean, what I don't know what you say. Like, Catal Marte, yeah. is a strength. Their lineup isn't awful. They have some interesting pieces. I really like Zach Gallen. I don't think he's fully healthy yet, no. even right now. So that's a bummer because uh, I really like him. But like, it's hard to like any. Again, if we're looking at units of, of lineup versus rotation versus bullpen, or if you want to talk about fielding or whatever, like it's it's hard to love any individual aspect of those things for this team, but they're not as bad as they were last year. They're not like twenty-three straight road losses or whatever it was. It's it's you know, they're fine. Like they're I mean, they're below average, but they're they're not straight up awful. And I, I think that'll show itself this year, like I said at the top.
0: Yeah, I like that Dalton Varshow plays catcher in center field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that Absolutely. a lot. I hope they that do a that lot continues. of weird Like,
1: they also have uh, Paven Smith yep. is like, first base yeah. center field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're doing some weird stuff. It's not going to be bad. It's, you know, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I guess we've talked about weaknesses already or
1: maybe it's just it's a general lack everywhere. of strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. It's like a general lack of strength. I kind of wrote like Josh Rojas question. Yeah. Like I don't, yeah. I'm not a, Believer in it. I think that's tough if you're starting him every day at third base, which kind of seems like what they might be doing. They don't really have a. I think Drew Ellis is maybe the next guy in line there. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure.
0: RJ Anderson picked Rojas as his breakout pick for this team. So someone believes. That's tough.
1: That's tough for RJ. I think Uh, he's in a tough spot. I don't. I mean, you know, I kind of said like the questionability of everyone in the rotation. Ken Kendrick, can he be a weakness? Can we, can ownership (laughs) be a weakness? I think that's it. Yes,
2: I think that absolutely it can be a weakness, and I think that it is a good diagnosis of what ails them apart from bad health. I mean, they were just, (sighs) I'm sorry, this is the expression, and they picked a snake, it's not my fault. Like They were just (laughs) snake bit in every conceivable way last year, and some of those wounds were, see, this is where the the expression breaks down. Some of those wounds were absolutely self-inflicted, and some of them were just really rotten luck. But this was an org that felt like it was just in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for their entire season.
1: Yeah. Well, you might say, Meg, it's like an Ouroboros. Uh, very good, Craig. Thank you.
2: Not only might I say that, that's something I would say. I feel comfortable there endorsing that.
1: Well, we're sticking with snakes, you know, I'm just and self-inflicted yeah. wounds. I, I, I definitely thought. made an yeah.
0: Ouroboros pun at some point in my baseball prospectus career but I can't remember oh. the exact context but oh, boy. Scott would be <laughs> proud of me for that one so if you are disparaging RJ's breakout pick then who is
1: yours Dalton Varsho. you mentioned him I I mm-hmm. think it's if you want to call last year a breakout I would probably quibble with it he was a he was okay, but I think there's a better version of him. And I think there's a good chance we see it next, this year. I, it's not just that he's a catcher center fielder and that's really cool. Like, I think he's just, I think he's a good hitter and a good player. And, uh, you know, all the tools are there for, for him to break out. And I, I think he will.
2: He feels like the kind of guy we obviously on this podcast are opposed to the RoboZone. But in terms mm. of sustaining this profile and being able to keep bopping back and forth, like, His receiving is not sterling, you know? No, yeah, no, it's not. That's bad. Like, that isn't, that's not good framing, sir. So, he feels like a guy who will definitely benefit from the, the advent of the RoboZone. And when you take that away as an impediment to him continuing to catch, and then you can hit the way he. He can, I okay, guess. That's pretty, that's nifty. Yeah, I Call mean, I, again, if
1: you wanted to argue mm-hmm. with him as a breakout pick, his his average exit velocity was only 88 miles per hour, which again, not great. Uh, he had a lower yeah. max than Hasan Kim. So, you know, I, I think there's some risk there, but I, I definitely, I just think he has, you know, from his time as a prospect, the capability of being better.
0: Any rookies on your radar?
1: I looked through the team. I didn't know kind of who, who was likely to, to make a debut. This I felt like they're just... Can we
2: just use this as an opportunity to talk about the prospects who are exciting and they're not going to debut this year, but we can sure, just talk can, about them anyway? We can do that, but I, that. I
1: did have an answer, which was Geraldo Perdomo is, not, is still rookie eligible, right? Correct. Okay, so he was my choice because I do think he's going to play this year. It was really... Yeah great to see him rebound the way he did after a a rough, you know, debut. And then his, he went on the restricted list and, but he came back, I think he made the majors by the end of the season. Again, he was very good after, again, after taking some time, uh, like back at the complex and stuff. And I've, I've always liked him as a, as a prospect. So I was, I was happy to see him do that. And I, you know, I think he's the likely next shortstop after Nick Ahmed. So I picked him because I didn't really see anyone else likely to, to get any real time yeah
0: Mm -hmm. all right well interesting story slash question meg if you want to highlight any other interesting prospects who might not arrive this year you can but uh otherwise
2: i think that they are like they are the interesting question for me it's not going to have an impact on the big league club this Mm -hmm. year in all likelihood but you know they do have some exciting guys who are coming up many of whom dealt with injury last year so like it has been encouraging to see corbin carroll healthy in camp and you know, it was cool. Like there were nights that I would go to D-backs games and he was just sitting in the scout section. Like the dude is clearly like crazy go nuts for baseball and he's a, you know, he's a Seattle guy. So I'm always going to be rooting for Corbin Carroll, but like Corbin Mm -hmm. Carroll, when is that happening? What's he look like now? Is it okay? That will be neat. Like they have Alec Thomas coming up. They have Jordan Lawler. Like they have some guys who are interesting. Many of whom have had some like injury stuff or, you know, are a little further away, but like what is useful to the roster when those guys are ready is, I think for me, the pending question. And I hope that Arizona will look at this season and say, like, let's try to answer that question. Let's see which of these guys we think is going to be useful either as a an everyday guy or a complimentary piece to this roster when some of our, you know, prospects who we are excited about are ready to go. So I guess part of my question is like. What did those prospects look like? And then also how does how does the team utilize and view this year? And what answers are they able to get about some of the younger players on their roster who might reasonably be a part of the team when they might be good again? So
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And other things that are on my mind when I look at this roster, I guess there's the Cattell question, right? yeah. how long will he be part of this team? He is signed for this season at a very team-friendly rate of $8.4 million. And then there's a team option for $8 million the year after that and a team option for $10 million the year after that, each with $1 million buyouts. So he has been very desirable on the trade market for quite a while now, and they have held on. But I don't know whether you think that they will continue to or whether it makes sense for them to, given where they are competitively and how much they need to get back to justify it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's he's tricky because he is so affordable. He's not one of those guys that's going to really, like if they choose to keep him, it's it's not going to, you know, I guess the only cost is opportunity cost, really, where it's not like he's going to be a problem for their budget at any point, even as, as small as Kendrick likes to keep it. The interesting thing to me with this team, I, I had a couple things as Meg was going through prospects. I mean Christian Robinson is yeah. such an interesting one. I really hope he's back in in you know a good good place mentally and, and that he's able to take the field and, and kind of recover there as well. And then one thing that might interest I feel like it's up Ben's alley, but like Dan Straley was the worst pitcher in baseball the last time he was in mm-hmm. the majors. He's mm-hmm. back in camp on an NRI. So I'm curious to see what, what he kind of looks like. And then, you know, as, as you're kind of talking about with, with Marte, I just am wondering, like, everyone's talking about the pitching from from Oakland being like kind of one of the only places teams that are looking for pitching teams like the twins have to go. But, you know, when we get a month or two into the season, like Merrill Kelly seems very likely to, to be a trade candidate. I'm wondering if I'm wondering how long they're going to stick with, Zach Gallen, who's in his mid twenties and has had some some injury issues crop up. Like, if he's good for two months, would would they consider trying to move him for a haul? And and would a team move a haul for him given the injury issues? Again, like I I really like him, but I don't know. I think that's that's just something I'm I'm curious about. Is like kind of as Meg said, who's part of the next team and and kind of yeah. kind of who they who they draw a line or you know or a box around as as keeper versus not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd like to see more Seth Beer this year Mm -hmm. as well, and I would say that I'd be pretty relieved about the way that Bumgarner righted the ship as the season went on because I kind of thought like he might be done, (laughs) and he is not. (laughs) He actually pitched pretty well down the stretch or in the second half in general, so that's a relief, I would think, but that's about all I got when it comes to the Diamondbacks. Hopefully they are healthier.
2: I want them to continue to occupy this weird territory. This is a very selfish thing to say. I'm admitting it's selfish. Like, I want the people I know who work for the team to keep their jobs and be professionally fulfilled. And also, those tickets are so cheap. You know, sit in real <laughs> good seats. It's pretty yeah. inexpensive relative to what you'd pay other places. So I I find myself conflicted about the Diamondbacks because, you know, it does benefit me in some weird way for them to remain pretty bad.
0: <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, they will probably be bad for at least a little while longer. I'm not sure exactly how far they are away from being good again. Speaking of which, I guess we should discuss the Colorado Rockies. So. <laughs> We started, in everybody. yeah. We started this segment by talking about a team that always seems to have a plan, and we are finishing with a team that never seems to, or at least no one else understands what it is. It's an inscrutable plan outside that organization. So, we talked about the Rockies fairly recently because of the Chris Bryant signing, and talked about the turnover in their R and D department, etc. But do you want to talk about <laughs> best off season moves I mean they did get Chris Bryant it was a weird off season move but he's a good player
1: Yeah I mean so it was it was so interesting seeing the actual going from I think what was a fairly like in our little circle pro labor experience to the rush of these signings and trying to figure out you know how these moves made sense if they made sense what if the values were there or not or whatever and there was some, like, meta commentary on people's willingness to say, like, players should go get money and then be like, LOL, Rockies, this is a weird contract or whatever. And I don't think those are mutually exclusive, I guess. Like, no. this is a good, like, sure, yeah, Chris Bryant is a, I didn't all four teams, any team signing Chris Bryant, if you had me rank the teams that, made sense to spend the money that they did on Chris Bryant like the Rockies weren't cracking the top ten and I think that's where the confusion was and why it's not mutually exclusive i'm I think it's a good move to spend money on Chris Bryant but like the Rockies did it and then also extended their current third baseman and are playing Chris Bryant in left field and it's just that they do it in the weirdest ways it's not that it's always isolated bad decisions it's or or anything like that it's just or even bad decisions at all it's just weird weird <laughs> they are yeah. the weirdest team in baseball
0: yeah and i guess we should mention that they made another move shortly before we started recording they traded Rymil tapia to toronto for randall grichuk so the rockies have randall grichuk now <laughs> <laughs> important for everyone to know <laughs> um, any strengths that you
1: would care to highlight on this roster i don't no, I their hitting should be okay, <laughs> I guess.
2: Some of their pitching is is fine.
1: I think Herman Marquez is very Herman good. Yep.
2: Yeah, he's mm-hmm. quite good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Austin Gomber was yeah. not bad last year. I'm not convinced he's like actively good, but he was completely fine last year. Perfectly acceptable, especially given you know pitching in Colorado. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know. They well, they also extended Antonio Sensatella. Now that I'm looking at their roster, right?
2: They did do that, yeah.
1: Sure, that. I guess. It's just wild. I mean, like, the guy doesn't strike out more than 15%, 16% of batters. And he's good! Yeah, John Gray, <laughs> here's the door. <laughs> that was bad. But... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, everything this team does is, is... You know what? I They extended CJ Cron too, right? Was that this year yep. that they did that? Or did they do it last year? Yep. I think he's a good fit for this team in this park. And I think he'll continue to hit very well. I, he's not a difference maker, yeah. but sure. Like, CJ Cron is... He's, you know sure yeah. why not
2: and it's like a 14 and a half million dollar deal over yeah. two years like this is it's fine it's not CJ Crone isn't going to hold them back you know like his that's that's reliever money it's fine
1: yeah I don't a strength I don't again I guess like Marquez can one person be a strength
2: yeah Chris Bryant also a strength
1: <laughs> Chris Bryant also a strength sure
2: you know some of these people seem strong <laughs> <laughs> as individuals like they seem like uh, they can lift things some of them are also tall can get things the- off of
1: shelves <laughs> the National League DH is a strength for that I mean getting Charlie yeah. Blackman out of the field god bless yes. That's yeah. great. That's great for them. I love that for the Rockies. <laughs> love that. love that for them. Love it for them.
0: Well, weaknesses, I mean, it just, it starts with ownership and with the front office, yeah. right? I mean, we could talk yes. about weaknesses on the actual roster, but those seem almost immaterial. <laughs> just yeah, if them. I can
1: say Ken Kendrick, like it's absolutely Dick Mom <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the the whole organization just seems baffling at basically every level yeah i don't i mean like i don't know this this team i'm just keep looking at the roster and shake i'm literally shaking my head you guys can't see me but i i don't know what to do with that center field i guess they just kind of i wrote this yesterday they just acquired grichuk who's played a bunch in center yeah like it was sam hilliard yes which i I wouldn't feel great about. I guess.
2: Yeah. It's
1: not awful. But... We
2: still. Jason still has Hilliard in center, having added Gritchick, So I don't know uh-huh. if that is him having heard. Something. Yeah, they might do yeah.
1: that. I mean, who knows? <laughs> he tends to, you
2: know, he tends to know these things. But I would look at Chris Bryan and left, and also
1: think that was wrong. So <laughs> it's, it's a hard. Well, they have Bryant for a long time now, Meg. So it's yeah. You know. Yeah, and
2: like you... I like Ryan McMahon. Yeah, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I like Ryan McMahon. I thought that was fine.
2: I thought that was fine. I saw a
1: whole host of reactions to that contract, and I thought that's fine.
2: Why are people being sassy about that? That is a perfectly also. How nice to have a guy say, "Yeah, let's stay here."
1: <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: you know, that's that's two in like quick succession where it's been like, "Yeah, for several years, this is where I'd like to be," and who can blame them? Again, purple Denver, good food, other things to mm-hmm. enjoy. Like, I get it. I I. Do it for less than Chris Bryant did? Maybe for yeah. more than Ryan McMahon did. don't know. I haven't priced <laughs> that one out yet. Got to get Dan to model that.
1: Geographically, it was a good fit for Chris Bryant. He lives in Las yeah. Vegas. so. F- yeah. Geographic you never
0: is. know. It it sounds like it took like every last dollar of the 140 or whatever million to get Trevor Story to get <laughs> a potentially life-saving vaccine. So you just never know like <laughs> what the bar for anyone is going yeah, to be when it comes to dollars. But we all have uh, different desires and incentives I suppose. But if you get Chris Bryant, I feel like half the fun of having Bryant is like moving him around all over the place right. or at least half the fun of watching Chris Bryant.
1: So right. if he's just a permanent left fielder, but they they said he's like it's just left field, right? They said they're they're not going to move yeah. him around they a lot. He
2: did say that.
0: Is that, uh, maybe a hole opens yeah. up and you have Chris Bryant, so you <laughs> right, never know. Right, like but... people,
2: people get uh injured, sadly, and I do wonder if part of it is just that there isn't a tremendous amount of confidence that they can utilize that versatility as well as they might, as mm-hmm. another team might, but then why do you sign Chris Bryant?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you well, know? because they really wanted to draft him a long time ago. Well, so. he's willing to <laughs> say yes. Yeah. yeah, that too. But anyway, I mean, it's just hard, like – there have been successful Rockies teams to an extent. There has not been a division-winning Rockies team. <laughs> That's a bridge too far. But, you know, they could be good again potentially, but it just seems like I almost have more faith in, like, teams that are doing teardowns currently. Like, would I bet on the Rockies being good again before the A's, for instance? No. Probably not, right? I wouldn't. <laughs> Even though the A's <laughs> just traded all their good players. Yeah. Like, at least they're the A's and they have a track record of seeming to know what they're doing front office wise. And they just got a bunch of good high level prospects back who are basically major league ready. So you can't say those things about the Rockies really, but can you say anything nice about breakout candidates or important rookies?
1: The thing about like a breakout pick, like, it's tough i mean i see people talking about connor joe i feel like it's the fourth straight year someone's buying in on connor joe being being decent he was
0: already pretty good last year yeah yeah yeah,
1: he was and again like it's i mean he was he was pretty good last year i could see you know buying in on him to some extent but I, i think it's been done before Again, like i don't the thing about like ryan mcmahon like he had a good year last year it was a lot of if you look at like war it was a lot of value tied up in defense. I mean, you know, you kind of said, why not like Ryan McMahon? He's never OPS better than 780 in his career in in five years total, you know, five seasons total partial seasons uh, in Colorado. You know, that's not great. I I think he can be so like I could pick I don't know if I can pick him. I would potentially pick him. I think he can be better than that. I really liked him as a prospect. And I think he has a little bit more power in the tank, but he certainly hasn't shown it Yeah, and I think that is a nitpick on on committing six years to a guy entering his age 27 season who hasn't really done it with the bat. But if you buy the glove, it's fine. And he's always been a good defender, so I don't really have a problem buying the glove either. You know, I think, again, like, did Brendan Rodgers break out last year? Like, is, is he already? He was, like, league average. Well, sure, yeah.
2: You can pick Rodgers. I think that that's I Roger. fair. Yeah, name. I mean, I
1: think he's, really? I, I liked what he did last year. You know, he had a, a league average WRC+. plus. I You know, the way that certain plus statistics or, or index statistics account for cores can be, can change kind of how, how things look, I guess, in terms of what he did last year. But, like, I think what he did was promising, and I think he can build on it. And he's, he's only in, that was really his first, like, significant exposure to the majors, so... I don't right. know. I could I could take Brandon Rogers in that. I I wouldn't blame someone.
2: Well, and it's like I think that anyone who has the injury history that he has, mm-hmm. like, is a, is a candidate for a breakout. Where you're like, oh, what if you're just like actually fully healthy the entire year and are removed from all of these like dings that have. And some of them are more serious than dings, right? That have kept him from really getting into to big league action. Like that he seems like a breakout candidate to me. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd probably
1: pick him. Yeah. I think that's who I'd go with on a on a breakout.
0: Okay. Anyone else?
1: Rookies? <sighs> prospects? Why what's their <laughs> rookies are are who are their potential like rookies? I don't
2: A lot of their a lot of their I think most interesting prospects are like a little ways away. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, if you want the guys closest to the majors, they're also third basemen. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, it's... Right. It's like Elo... Harris- Montero. Montero and, yeah. and Colton Welker, I guess. Yeah. You know, potentially. I'm not saying you have to like them, but, like, those are kind of the names on the... In terms of bats.
2: Right. Like, I guess they have... What's his name in the outfield? Ryan Velade. Oh, Velade. Yep. He exists. He's alive. Yeah,
1: sure. He's right. in AAA. Yeah, he exists. I am... <laughs> I I don't know if I like him that much. That's fine. I mean, yeah,
2: like I'm And then like
1: the pitchers, like are you picking any pitchers? Like I don't they none of the guys they have are and and some of
2: their more interesting ones there too are far away. So like far away. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, man. It's a weird (laughs) they draft bats well, but that has seemed to be a, a competency of theirs if they're always able to develop them you know who could say so Mm -hmm. it's a it's a weird org and they just always you know we've said that a bunch of times but and we've said this (laughs) on the podcast too like they're always just going to be in a strange spot because their baseline level of difficulty even if they were you know if you took the the dodgers group and transplanted it into denver right if we were doing like a a division exchange program for a season right and you just like took all of the dodgers (laughs) folks and and Dropped him down into Colorado. Like you'd still have to deal with the Colorado of it all. So, mm-hmm. it, the the combination of things is um, they're playing on hard mode in a lot of ways, and some of those are natural, and others are a result of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> We've been a lot looser with the jokes lately, Craig, and um, it hasn't <laughs> totally torpedoed my mentions on Twitter. But I feel like the day is coming.
0: <laughs> all right. Well. I guess there's really only one storyline that matters or one question that matters about the Rockies, and we've discussed it. So maybe they'll hire a new R&D director and get some analysts in there and figure out what they're doing. Just
1: keep them away from the laundry, please. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that too. (laughs) but that's yeah not what you mean when you say root for laundry you don't root for your front office to do it (laughs) so I'll just say if if this was not an encouraging or uplifting segment well what were you expecting Rockies fans maybe at this point you just want people to kind of confirm your suffering or commiserate (laughs) to some extent and when the Rockies are good again then we will give them credit for that hopefully that day will come and we will all live to see it so I guess we can end the preview there and Craig I'll just uh, give you a chance to plug the book that you co-edited before you go because if you're interested in learning more about baseball teams and about the 2022 season, one fine way to do that is to pick up the Baseball Prospectus annual and when you were saying to me yesterday oh, I need to prep for the podcast, I said well you did edit a almost 600 page baseball book. That seems like pretty decent prep. So, you still got time everyone to pick up the book before opening day and go through it and of course it is a handy reference to have around even After the season starts, so I don't know that anyone does not know what the Baseball Prospectus annual is at this point. But if you want to give them the elevator pitch or point out anything that's new in this year's edition, you have the floor.
1: Yeah, so they're separated by team, and you get an essay and uh, player comments for every team. You get one essay, and then about six around sixty-five player comments per team. You get projections along with those comments and you know we have our top prospect lists in there we have uh general purpose essays as well we talked about the story of the baseball uh sticky stuff and things like that i would just say like one example is since we're talking about the rockies our rockies essay basically talked about a (laughs) the, the author walked through a was introduced was recruited to a frat house uh, in college and there was literally just a tree growing through the the frat house, and he used that as a a metaphor for the Rockies. I, I thought it was particularly well done. I really enjoyed it. So I think when you're talking about the Rockies, you gotta you gotta be out there a little bit. And I thought he uh, he did a good job of capturing that in that essay. But yeah, uh, the the essays are really good. the The player comments. Look, we we try and be funny and informative and all of that. Uh, it's it's a fun book, and with a very in in my opinion, uh, a very pretty cover. Yeah. This year with Juan Soto on the front. Yeah, everyone
0: with the reference books went with Otani this off season, which can't blame them, but I thought it was clever of you to go in a different direction, and if you're going to go in a different direction, then Juan Soto is probably the best direction to go. So you stand out from the Bill James handbook and I don't know what else, the Ron Chandler baseball forecaster. We, we
1: did Otani in 2018, I think, Yeah, and so mm-hmm. we were trying not to... To overdo it was the year it. of Otani. We're trying to look ahead, right? There are projections mm-hmm. in there. Maybe it's the year of soda.
0: Well, every year's the year of Otani and Soda too. <laughs> but yes. All right. Well, if you are enjoying this division preview series and you want to go deeper, you cannot go any deeper than the baseball prospectus annual. So go get it and keep it next to you throughout the season as a resource to look up players. And you can also find Craig, of course. Having terrible headlines at Baseball Prospectus where he misuses baseball terminology, but you can subscribe to that site because the content is good even when the headlines are lacking. And you can find Craig on Twitter as well, not by searching Craig Goldstein because that is never his display name, but by typing. I tried.
1: (laughs) I tried.
0: At CD Goldstein is where you can find him and you can find out what his display name is today. So thank you, Craig.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always.
0: All right, that will do it for today and for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening. We will probably preview the NL Central next time. So your homework for that episode is to go follow Joey Vado on Instagram because he has finally graced the Internet with his social media presence and he's off to a strong start as expected. I will link to that on the show page. If you're looking for something else to tide you over until the next podcast, I wrote a Shohei Otani 2022 preview. I'm sure the topic will come up on our AL West preview episode, but if you can't wait till then, the piece should be published at The Ringer on Friday. And guess what? I'm pretty bullish about this Shohei Otani guy. For a lot of reasons. We talked about the Shohei Otani rule on our previous episode and how that might give him a little more playing time. Well, you know what else might? The Universal DH. In theory, he's actually in line for about 10 to 15 games worth of plate appearances at DH that he couldn't get last year. So between that and the fact that he, if anything, actually underperformed his quality of contact offensively last season, and the fact that he got better and went deeper into games on the mound as the season went on, and now hopefully he actually has a major league lineup around him, which was not the case in the second half last year, for those and many other reasons... I think it's not implausible that he could be even better this year. Although that sounds ridiculous to suggest, given how great he was last year. But I run through it all in the article. Lots of stats, lots of facts. I will link to that on the show page as well. And you can use this Pause Between Podcasts to support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. The following five listeners have already signed up and pledged some monthly or yearly amount to help keep the podcast going, help us stay ad-free, and get themselves access to some perks. Michael DiPrima, Evan Cleave, Zachary Levine, Jonathan Knapp, and Cantankerous Tony, thanks to all of you. Our Patreon supporters, of course, get access to our patron-only Discord group, monthly bonus episodes hosted by me and meg and a bunch of other extras check it out you can also check out our facebook group at facebook.com group effectively wild you can rate review and subscribe to effectively wild on itunes and spotify and other podcast platforms please keep your questions and comments for me and meg coming via email at podcastfangraphs.com or via the patreon messaging system if you are a supporter you can follow effectively wild on twitter at ewpod you can find the Effectively Wild subreddit at r slash Effectively Thanks, as always, to Dylan Higgins for his editing and production assistance. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. And we will be back to talk to you next week.